This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. Horror films scare some people. I'm one. Let's go. Spooko. So there you were. So you'd watched your film and Adele had wa- is watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, so I'm going I'm to stop you there, Peach. And what you don't know mm. is, in fact, I'm going to actually start the episode right there. I'm going to leave that audio in oh. because some just weird stuff has been happening on this, this podcast. This audio and, fucking... and yeah, yeah, but like some of that I put in, right? Like some of that I put in as like a joke, but... There's been some strange things happening on this podcast. So yes. we we basically recorded the intro of this podcast and then Peach disappeared. We don't know what happened. Um, I've, I've got a bit of an audio. I've got a, some audio from it. I'll play it here. Peach actually gets frustrated. You rarely hear Peach frustrated, but he actually, <laughs> he actually gets frustrated. Am I a level-headed sort of character? <laughs> you are. You're a level-headed character, but you also you you generally view most of the world with disdain. <laughs> <laughs> which we you know, which allows you to not let it get the better of you. But you know, in this case, it did. Wait, wait! I've lost you. I've lost you. I've lost you. Five minutes in, I've lost you. I've lost you. Hang on, let me use a different internet. Internet. Uh oh. Oh shit! Fuck's sake. But anyway, okay, so starting the episode now, uh, because I feel how, like... How have you been? How's your week, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, but I feel like this is, this, is the right, this is the right intro for this week's episode. So, okay. So I, I do want to say that mm. in the background, you may be able to hear some very loud reality TV. Yes. Adele and I just finished watching the film we're talking about this week. Yes. And she needed a little bit of a palate cleanser because yes. it was quite spooko. And uh, I'd never seen it before, even though it's a complete, like it is a, it, you know, it's a contemporary classic. It's very influential. It is not as good as I thought it was going to be. Like I'd seen some good reviews and David Stratton, Australian film reviewer, gave it a terrible review. And usually that means it's amazing. But, you know, like he famously like hated the Fast and Furious franchise and, you know, things like that. But it's, it, I feel like it, I feel like it's a fitting film for everything we've been through. You know, on this podcast so far. You know, you know, in the past sort of like maybe I don't know ten episodes when mm. things are starting to get like really spooky. But for everything that's happened tonight with that weird dropout, with where you went, that um, really was. Yeah, that was a strange one. You know, and the thing that happened at the end of, you know, the Too Scary to Watch episode that we did, you know, a couple of episodes yeah, ago. I, I pinged M back and forth, and she she doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, look, anyway, so so today we're doing Paranormal Activity, the original. Oh, shit. And before, and before you watch the trailer, there's a few things I want to talk about about this film because it is actually super interesting. So, number one... We've spoken about how I'm in an empty, not particularly small, not particularly well-lit house, haven't we? We've talked about that. It's night time. It's late at night. So there's so many things about this film that are going to resonate with your position right now. But I think one of the dumbest is, do you know the basic premise of this film, Pitch? 
No, and let me prove it by saying it's a found footage film where for most of it you don't know if it's a hoax or not and then the final moment you find out it's not a hoax and you get freaked the fuck out. Well, it's not quite that. It is absolutely a found footage film. It wasn't the first. It was probably the one that took it into the... You know, like, obviously there's Blair Witch Project, but this is the one that actually, you know, made it a bankable property. Okay. Uh, it's, um, it's from 2007. Uh, I think one of the coolest things about it is that the entire thing was, like, it was written, it was filmed, it was produced... It was edited and whatever other... It wasn't acted by, but pretty much everything you could do for a film, it was done by its creator, this guy called Oren Pelli, or Pelli. And this, this I think, is really fucking dumb. So... <laughs> Let's talk about it. It was inspired by Pelli moving it into his first house alone and without family nearby. He heard creaks and knocks in the night, which laid the groundwork for the film. Now, for me, I'm like... That is too common an insight. That's like having your film inspired by like, I like having lunch and that was the inspiration for this film. The inspired by true events that accompanied the Amityville horror is very, very much this of like, whoa, I got spooked out once. So I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea for a movie. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's like, oh, someone had, you know, a story where they had early success and then failure and then redemption. And I thought, oh, there we go. And, and I think as we go through it, you'll realise that this is what stops this film, you know, ascending to, you know, greater artistic heights is this poor insight. Now, insight's a term that we use often in like the creative industries and if you start with a common insight, you're going to get a common idea. Like a, like a really obvious one, for example, is the fact that, you know, and we talk about this a lot, is that at least in Australia, Father's Day is coming up really soon. And you'll see a lot of marketing around Father's Day, which is based on very dated, obvious insights like, oh, dad hates socks. Don't get dad <laughs> socks. You know what I mean? And it's like, you'll see that. And there's no way you can create something good out of that insight because it's boring and obvious and kind of not relevant. And in the same way, there's only so far you can go with an insight as obvious as when you're alone at night in a house, sometimes you hear creaks and groans. It's pretty spooky. So it was, it was based... So, so this film, uh, as I said before, it was written, produced, directed, photographed, and edited by Oren. Uh, mm. It cost 15 grand, which... That is, is one insane. quarter of the sum of Blair Witch Project. So already we're ahead of the game. We're saving money. And then factor in inflation, because I think Blair Witch Project was 99. So eight years of inflation. Let's call mm. it a fifth the cost of Blair Witch Project. That's amazing. It's, it's crazy to think that, but 15 grand would get you a five or six year old Subaru. Like, you know, like it'd be a good, like it'd be a solid car. It would last yep. you for a couple of years. You wouldn't have to pay much for, you know, you know, the first couple of years of like maintenance and stuff. But that's kind of what you could get for 15 grand. So, so creating a movie that effectively spawned a very popular genre is pretty impressive. And for such a basic insight, you, you know, if we were to do a film franchise of like, oh, geez, it's annoying to stub your toe, you know, <laughs> <I can laughs> and just drop 15 grand on that idea. 
great. Like let's let's bang it. Everyone to be like, oh, classic. You guys have you, you guys know, have sorted look, it out. And maybe maybe that's our issue with the fact that we haven't quite nailed you know what the Resh's sponsorship oh. is about. The idea that Resh's is refreshing is probably just a bit. It, it's a bit too obvious. Like yeah, the idea like, that it's like oh. In fairness to that suggestion, all like all beers should be refreshing, shouldn't they? I mean, if I, if I was going to be in the same way that all like drum and bass music sounds the same, if I was going to be <laughs> devil's advocate to someone who's not a fan of beer, like the mm. anti-beer advocate, I would say that the taste beer to beer doesn't change <laughs> that. Like it obviously it changes. It doesn't change that greatly. But uh, sorry, no. We should talk about paranormal activity. But I'll just tell you for ninety seconds, right? I was at this lunch today, and the weird thing about all of a sudden being more senior in your career is that when you're junior, it's like don't go to lunch; it's bad. And then when you're senior, it's like you should be going to more lunches. And then so at today's lunch, like you meant to bring people along to be like, you should network with you, then maybe do some business. Oh yeah. And I know a lot of old white guys and I should introduce those old white guys to some other old white guys and see <laughs> if there's any business to be done. Ooh, yeah. And so today I heard the anecdote of two people who were relating diving stories. And if you're an experienced diver, apparently you go down on the line or you follow the line or you follow the string or some, there's some expression for it. You, me and our diving instructor are going down and we're going into a wreck or we're going through some caves. And you and I know where we're going because the diving instructor is reeling out a string. And so you and I are making sure that string goes through our suit or goes through our fingers or something. And, and that's how we know where we are because it's pitch black. We can't see where we are. And um, one of the lunch guests, um, Phil, and Phil's a good friend of Patrick, fan of the board. Patrick, what is up? Mr. Regan, good to hear from you. Um, uh, Phil's down there diving and he's in Mexico. And the diving instructor's been like, you guys are... A, you guys are experienced divers. Like, you don't need the stupid old string, do you? Let me show you something really sick. We're not going to use the string this time. And Phil's the sort of character who's like, yeah, of course I don't need the string. I'm an experienced diver. And so down he goes, diving deep down into the depths with no string. And what you have to do if you're doing that is you have to pay close attention to the people who are in front of you. You've got to make sure that you can always see the person immediately in front of you because you basically got blinders on, the goggles come and ruin your peripheral vision and you can only really look straight ahead. And Phil is a reasonably well-paid financial advisor who owns a GoPro and so even 10 years ago he was like, right, this pitch blackness is sick, everyone's gonna love this, just let me get my GoPro and get it sorted out. And so he sits there getting sorted out and then when he looks back up he can't see anyone. And the rule when you're deep down underwater in the dark is you don't move. Right, because you don't know where you are, you don't know how to get out, so what you have to do is just be still until an experienced diver can come back and find you. And so he had this moment of like, oh fuck, like that's it, I'm now lost. The appropriate safe thing for me to do in the pitch black when I have zero options is to sit here and to breathe as slowly and calmly as I can. And I will wait either to be saved or to die. And they're my two options. And so Phil relates, you know, this philosophical moment that apparently if you're an experienced diver, it's one you've confronted, you know, like of like, hey, remember, you know, 90% of getting lost in caves, you get saved. So don't worry, take your deep breaths. 
you know, just stay nice and calm, stay where you are because people do get saved, they get saved every day, so just chill and be calm. And so he's a very intelligent guy and uh, he's an experienced diver. And so he's thinking this, he's like, right, well, my options are panic and die or just be very, very still and see what happens. And so he's trying to have nice, slow, reflective thoughts. And he's just, you know, hanging through the water and he just glances around to his left and his fiance and the diving instructor are about two meters away just looking at something interesting. And so he'd had this complete life or death experience <laughs> because he'd angled his head like 45 degrees in one direction away from the other. And the funny thing was hearing that story at lunch today, I had what I suspect is the experience I'll have watching my first horror film soon. And Lee Tran said I could start with Get Out. So if I can do Get Out first, then Hereditary, that'd be good. But of that stomach nervousness, of that dread of like, oh no, what's going to happen? And of that release of, oh no, we're free from that dread now. We're free from that terror. And that's how I hope I feel, or how I hope I will feel when we work our way through paranormal activity. I think what you talked about there is, you know, very apt for what we're talking about today. But uh, instead, imagine not being, you know, diving in some like crazy luxe Mexican <laughs> diving trip. <laughs> Jesus, Pete, your friends. Yeah, man. Um, instead, think about being in a house with a demon trapped to you that only comes awake when you're asleep at night anyway so so we we will get to that shout out to um lee tran as you said she's going to be joining us on an episode in a couple of weeks time again shout out to everybody who's been suggesting stuff yes. um we have a new suggestion for a film which I, I want to do in a couple of weeks it's the grossest and dumbest and worst and goriest film ever but i think it's worth talking about because i feel like you're gonna like dry wretch just hearing the wikipedia synopsis <laughs> is this the one <laughs> luke suggested <laughs> yeah and i think oh, let's, let's 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 not we, we will get there i kind of actually want to do it now because it's so dumb and it's so representative of a particular faction of contemporary horror but anyway that's none of that stuff um let's peach fire up the trailer today Sick. obviously we are doing paranormal activity can't wait hi deaf camera on my girlfriend katie she thinks there's something in the house i don't know you believe me right I think we're going to have a very interesting time capturing whether paranormal phenomena is occurring or is not occurring. Windows are locked. Doors are locked. Alarm is on. Hearing a weird sound. Something's here. I feel it breathing on me. There's footsteps in, but there's no footsteps out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. If you do try to play games with it, that's inviting it in. It's not a ghost. What is it? So we just watched the trailer for Paranormal Activity and it's just left me actually in a bit of a chippy mood, Shag. I sort of saw that and I feel like I saw through some of those tricks and I saw that most of the trailer was taken up with shots of the audience. So I was like, Peach, you'll be freaked out. And I was like, will I be freaked out? Paranormal Activity? <laughs> or do you just have to show me other people getting freaked out in order to try to trick me? I'm feeling pretty tricky. I'm feeling pretty chippy, Shog. Whatever your name is, the best friend I've had for the last 25 years. <laughs> so there's a couple of things about paranormal activity, mm. right? So number one, 
the the marketing campaign they used to advertise it, you know, showed people being scared and walking out of the cinema. Mm. Apparently, that's based on facts. So, you know, this film was made for fifteen grand, yep. but then it was shown at some horror festivals. You know, major studios picked it up, and when they did test screenings, because I think they reshot a couple of scenes and maybe added some like some very slight special effects here and there. Apparently, when they showed it in test audiences, people started walking out. Uh, the director at the time was like, oh, fuck, no one gets it. Or like, this is a mess. What did I do? I should have just kept it original. I should have just kept the original. But apparently what actually happened is people were actually like too freaked out and left. So, you know, what? You know when they talk about like the first time people saw cinema, like, you know, in the 18th century. Yeah, when the train was rushing at them, they were like, shit, a train's coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think that 2007 audiences would be the same about, you know, found footage horror. But apparently that was the thing, right? And I think what I like about found footage horror is it's kind of similar to what happens like, you know, when something fucks up on a Zoom call, like we had, Ugh. you know, at the start of this episode. Yeah, yeah. And and I am so dreading the amount of Zoom horror we're going to see in like six oh, months. Time. No. <laughs> and there's, there's a few that already exist that were ahead of the curve. Everything's going to be in the corner of the screen and it's going to get closer and closer yeah. and fucking blah, blah, blah. But the reason why it's scary and then the reason why I think found footage is scary mm. is... If I go to watch a film, mm. I can expect to see like monsters and weird shit happen on film because it's like, well, this is a storytelling medium. Mm. But if you, in the in the context of a film, you show me a home video or a security camera, it's like my brain goes, no, that's real. Like you know, and and then and then by putting something scary in that, you're breaking the rules, which all good horror does. Horror breaks the rules of reality, which fucks you up because you're like, hang on, that's not supposed to happen. I'm scared. So, Shag, I feel like you need to write our next horror film. I feel like we've had <laughs> we've had the student trying to do things when the master's been sitting there, sitting there all along. So I think, it, like, people were very scared by this film, but I think you're right. Like when watching it today, there's definitely very effective moments, and we'll get there in the synopsis. But it's it's a high concept film, and you know what I mean by high concept. Basically, there's there's a big overarching idea that brings the film together, you know, and usually it's, it's, it's fucking with the uh, genre or fucking with the medium mm. in some way. And in this case, the entire film is pieced together from home video footage of this couple trying to film a demon in their house, right? And the problem with high concept anything is that I can't think of a single high concept piece of art which is better in practice than it is in theory. Most of the time you're like, wow, that sounds like a good idea. And then you watch it and you're like, wow, the idea was good. <laughs> and it was better to hear about it. So this is actually probably the best medium to experience paranormal activity in, to be fair. Shag, I love that you're just you're just taking you're taking scalps. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I've just seen it and I have like a million opinions Let's on get it. Let's get them. But... Um, Okay, and then the final thing I wanted to mm. say, sorry there's such a preamble, but there's so much to like... Yeah, yeah, Shag, I like this podcast. I'm having, I'm having a good time. So this film has like 80 different endings because the original ending was what? changed when the major studio bought it and then they created a, a couple of extra endings for like, I, I think for like home video or whatever. So we're going to go through the synopsis and then we're going to go through the endings. I, have, I haven't read ahead and found out what the extra endings Sick. are. So I'm kind of excited to find out what they are. But yeah, like the basic premise of this is in 2006, Katie and Mika are a young couple and they move to a new house in San Diego. And 
What's interesting about this film as you watch it is there was no actual script. There was just a story outline. Uh, there was no camera crew. It was Oren filming the whole thing uh, with, this, with these two actors and a couple of extra actors that come in. And he would be like, this is the basic premise of the scene. There's no script. Which, in theory, is amazing. In practice means every line of dialogue is exposition. It's like, well, I'm walking over here to call the exorcist. It's like, don't call the exorcist. The demon in the house won't like it if you call the exorcist. You know, like, it's just very like... Then they look up and stare straight down the barrel of the camera and say, did you get that one? (laughs) All right, okay, okay, okay. So, at, at at the start, you know, Katie comes home and Mika's filming her with a camera... And there's lots of chat about like, wow, why'd you get that camera? And they start talking about, well, if anything spooky happens in the house, we'll capture it. And what we start to discover is mm. that Katie claims she there's been an evil presence that's haunted her since she was a child. So what Meek has done is he's he's bought a camera and he's decided to like document their life, particularly setting up a camera in their bedroom so they can record any paranormal activity. Mm. Good name for a film. That occurs while they sleep. At some point as well, she calls a famous psychic, Dr. Friedrichs, uh, who reveals that Katie is being haunted by a demon, not a ghost. So he's like... Reveals. I love it. It's like, okay, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) So he appears in the film a couple of times and he's always like, oh, I definitely sense something in the house. Like, Mm. it is deus ex Dr. Friedrichs (laughs) in this film. Deus ex Friedrichs. (laughs) so he reveals that Katie's being haunted by a demon not a ghost he's like see ghosts are what he's like I deal with ghosts and ghosts are cool and you know people want to ghosts are spirits are passed on demons aren't human and that's that's more difficult and that's not my area and I'm a bit spooked by demons that's cool actually like because I feel in my very simplistic Buffy the Vampire uh, inflected view of the otherworldly that sort of ghosts and demons are kind of ish the same or similar thing. I realise that's actually not true of Buffy, but I like I sort of feel like <laughs> your paranormal universe universe either has ghosts or it has demons. And I like that this one has both and that we draw a distinction. That's cool. Okay, so he explains that demons feed off negative energy and uh, the demon in this house is probably intent on tormenting Katie. Uh, and advises them not to communicate with the demon um, because that sometimes invites them in. He uses the phrase, it's like, if you try to communicate it with it, that it will open it up to you know entering your world and be even more spooky, right? And she's, and she's basically said, this demon's be, been with me since I was eight. And, but then she's like, look, you're not an expert, as you say, so just like stay in your lane. <laughs> it's not a ghost. <laughs> Give me the phone number of your demon, mate. Well, he, she, he goes, he goes, contact my friend, demonologist, Dr. Johan Avery's, if needed. Katie seems interested. This is what's weird. Like, and and I'll, we'll go through it. Like, the whole way through, all of their motivations seem really off and change quite a bit. So, she seems interested. And they, keep in mind, they've already called a psychic to come and check this out. But mm. Mika, the boyfriend, doesn't take it seriously. And he's like, we don't need to call a demon guy. <laughs> if it gets worse... We'll call the demon guy, but it doesn't matter. Also, he acknowledges it's happening. He's like, it is happening now. <laughs> Wait, it's weird because it's like, obviously it's happening and he acknowledges something weird's happening. Didn't he buy the camera for the <laughs> purpose? So, like, isn't he the person who's like, it's happening. Let's, like, let's figure it out. 
But she also makes this point at the start where it's like, oh, he's obsessed with technology. My boyfriend loves technology. What? So he went and bought a camera to check out this demon. I think this is the problem with high concept films. So they've decided this whole film's going to be home video. So then they have to spend the whole fucking film explaining why the whole thing's in video, which is annoying because it means from the start, we have to know there's a demon haunting her because otherwise, why would he buy a camera to like observe it, right? Yeah, okay. So like, because... Oh. But then, but then there's the other side. Like, I'm sure there's a narrative rule that says start your story as late as you can. So, so like the i the idea of like we're in, you know all right we're in the thick of it. Like, there's a demon. We got a camera. Let's go. Like, we don't have to sit around like it's the 1970s being like let's make Suspiria four hours long or whatever. It was. Like, <laughs> Suspiria was so long. We can just go. We can just do it. Okay, so over the so what they do is they they start basically filming at night while they're in bed, and what like what the film does really cleverly do they is it cuts. Oh, like yeah, there's a couple of is moments a where. Bit of smooching? Yeah, so so they do a, they do a good job at the start of trying to distract the audience from the spookiness with the boyfriend being like, oh, maybe we should use this camera for <laughs> something else, and she's like, stop it, stop it, no. I sort of don't even get that as well. It's like, what if we had sex and recorded it? I'm like, <laughs> like even as I say it out loud, I'm like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why that's good. Like, I don't know why that changes the Nothing, experience. nothing sexier than a fixed camera angle lovemaking session. <laughs> okay, so the camera captures many strange occurrences, which we see. You know, like what they do oh, is it's they, on. they quite... is it, it's like, yep, cool. We've got some weird stuff. Yeah, and, and like straight away we still like and they, they do space them out, but or, like honestly maybe a bit too much. But they're minor at first, such as, you know, there's noises, there's footsteps in the hall and there's thumps and there's like scratching noises. And it actually kinda of made me realise it's a fifteen thousand dollar film, but it's quite effective. And I actually think the most cost effective sense to be spooked is noise. Your ear holes, ten out of ten. Straight up, right? Like, you just put a weird sound where it's not supposed to be, and that's fucking spooky as hell. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, they, they capture things like noises. Then they capture, like, flickering lights, like, you know, lights in the background of the shot. Because remember, it's a fixed camera angle of the bedroom. We see them asleep mm. in the bed, and just lights turning on and off during the night. Um, Is it really fucking boring? Like, because you're kind of looking at the same shot the whole time? Yeah, so, yes and no. So... High concept horror films, especially, are both chilling and boring at the same time. And I, like, I turned to Adele while we were, I was watching it, and she totally agreed. It's like somehow Paranormal Activity is effectively spooko and boring. And even though it goes for it, it goes for eighty minutes, which might be the shortest film of all time, and it still feels like it, like by the end you are like, I do not need any more Paranormal Activity. It's like I have had my fill of this film. I don't care how many times I've seen audiences get freaked out in previews. So here's what's interesting. So the, the film obviously is shot linearly because it's found footage. So it's like, this is the footage we found and we pieced it together to try and work out what's happening. Oh, and I should say, at the start and the end of the film, they do like a half-hearted attempt to be like, you know, the the California Police Department would like to thank Katie and Mika for providing the footage in this film. And it does the sort of same thing at the end. So it's trying to be like, this was like, it doesn't go the whole hog like the Blair Witch uh, Project did, but 
it so yeah so the things are minor at first there's, there's you know lights flickering strange noises at one point like a door slightly opens and slightly closes by itself which is kind of scary because it's like spooned out the problem is micah starts like taunting and mocking the demon which seems to have you know, a worsening effect on the situation. What's he saying? Like, oh, <laughs> like... It's, it's kind of like that. It, yeah. But anyway, so during that... So, sorry, like, this just reminds me of another, like, reality TV interruption to the evening in our household. Like, the current series of The Bachelor had this, like, really effective moment of bullying where these two contestants were arguing um, and there's a central lover that they're all courting, they're all pursuing, and they're having this argument... One of them, while the other one's talking, goes like, wah, wah, and sort of like interrupts what they're saying. <laughs> and they start getting wound up. And I was like, woof, that really pissed me off. And like, you can see the emotions rise because they don't feed these people and they make them drink heavily. And you're away from your family and you're like caffeinated, drunk, lonely, um, and all pursuing the same guy around people who you aren't really friends with. So like emotions are running high. And this woman goes, wah, wah, and the other one's sort of a bit broken. And the one woman's like, oh, are you going to go cry about it now? And, and it's just this most effective thing where she stands up and leaves and it really upsets her. And it's really obvious that she, that she is going off to cry about it. And it's the most effective taunt I've ever seen. So I wonder if that's the sort of taunt that Mika brings to bear on Paymon or whoever it is making a mess here in Paranormal Activity. Well, what I think's funny is I think that kind of represents what you would do in this situation. Because obviously this demon is starved and feeds off the fear of the couple. So if you were like, yeah, what demon? Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> they would be so annoyed. Yeah. What's going on? I'm positive energy demon. I'm positive that you're dumb. What's up? What's going on? <laughs> so during night one, you know, keys are heard jangling. But by the 13th night, the demon is angrily screeching and there's a loud thud and the door slams shut. Voice recorder tests are conducted the following morning, which reveals demonic grunting when Micah asks if it would like them to use a Ouija board. So during night 15... I'm just imagining if he's doing the, like, triumph the insult comic dog, like, routine, which we're sort of doing with the cheat kids at the moment. I'm like, like, oh, you're a great demon. (laughs) For me to poop on. (laughs) But sorry, we're up at the 15th night. I shouldn't drink so heavily while we do these podcasts. I start having too much fun and thinking about other stuff. Sorry, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) so during night 15 katie appears to be in a clear trance as she gets out of bed and stands beside the bed and stares at micah for two hours before going outside micah then follows outside and tries to convince katie to go back inside but she refuses and appears to remember none of it the next day how do we know that is it recorded on the home video like are we following them outside yeah so, so, yeah, so he, every time anything happens, he's filming it. So he's like, he picks he up the camera. Outside. And then I, oh, he picks up the camera. Yeah, and he picks like, up okay, the camera and they go outside. Okay, and they're like, and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm fine. And then, you know, wakes up. It's like, I wasn't outside last night. And then, yeah, it's all spooko. Well, at least he got gaslit, so that's good. Oh, and I keep saying Micah. It is like it should be Mika. pronounced Micah, but they call it Mika. But anyway, so Katie sees the video and pleads with Mika to contact the demonologist, but again he refuses. Like that's the other thing. It's like why? Like why is he saying what? no to the demonologist? He just followed her sleepwalking out the night before. 
He's aware of all this spooko stuff. And she's had a demon with her since she was eight. Like, that's the other thing. It's not like this is a new... This is the other problem. It's like, I've had this demon with me since I was eight, but maybe we should hold off on calling the demonologist. But he, just he believes it exists. He's, he, he's <laughs> mocking it. He's like, yeah, it exists. I've got it handled. Don't worry. I just need to mock it a bit more. We don't need his demonologist. So during night 17, Mika sprinkles baby powder in the hallway and outside the bedroom door. The couples are awakened by creaks and find non-human footprints leading to the attic, which is now open. No, I'm getting less scared now. Like when, when it sort of feels like they're like, oh shit, we've got 15 grand guys. How do we make a demon monster with 15 grand? They're like, yeah, I know what we can do. Talcum powder on the but floor. But my other thing with this is it's like, it's like, it was kind of like a ghost that's attached to you, even though it's a demon. But now it's like an invisible monster with like claw feet. And it's like, is it, is it corporal? Like, does it have a body? Because yeah. it's obviously casting footprints. And the attic's important. It's like, well, like, what does it need to do up there? Well, when they go up there, um. they find a photograph of Katie when she was a young girl that's, Uh-oh. you know, burnt around the edges. And, you know, earlier in the film, we, we discovered that their childhood home where she first saw the demon burnt down in mysterious circumstances. And she's like, this photo, I haven't seen this photo in 15 years. It can't, it can't have been up in the attic. What was it? And that's the weird thing. She's like, she's like, how did this get up in the attic? It's like, dudes, you're literally talking about, you know, there's a demon. Like- you saw the demon footprints. <laughs> like you followed the demon footprints to find the photo. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is a little bit. <laughs> now at this point, Katie finally calls the demonologist, but learns he's just left the country. And this is where I would be so fucking pissed off at my partner. If my partner had been like, like if Adele had been like, you know what, hold off on calling the demonologist. Let's just wait. And if finally I decided to, and he's like, oh, demonologist is like, you just missed me. I was free for the last two weeks. Yeah, but then Adele would be like, well, fucking you could call a demonologist then. Why don't you call it like to, why do you need my permission to call a demonologist? You asked my opinion. Should we call a demonologist? I said no. You were a grown-up then, apparently. You're a grown-up now, apparently. You could have called him any time. Now, this is, this is where the Wikipedia synopsis takes some liberties with the story. <laughs> in which... This wasn't communicated in the story. It was just, I guess, insinuated. But the events of the film have psychologically terrified Katie. I don't know which other way you can be terrified. But... That has strengthened the demon's power. Now, we never learn the name of the demon. And for me, I'm not... The more I think about the demon, the more I'm kind of annoyed by it. Because, you know, it's attached to her. It, you know, it follows her from house to house, which I think Mm. is scary. And this idea that you can't escape it because it's attached to you is scary. But it, 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 like, feeds on your... Like, where does it exist in the food chain? So, yes. you know, we know that nature is like a finely balanced matrix of things that all fit together, right? Yes. And everything and we are the has apex. A pu- I understand. But everything has a purpose for being. Mm. What is the point of a seemingly immortal ghost-like creature that feeds on your fear and likes to make you scared? If you're symbiotic, right? Like if it literally feeds on her fear, and that is its food, that is how it remains alive, 
then surely the negative energy you want to conjure is sort of like stress from work or something. Like, <laughs> you, like you want her to stay alive for a very, very long time just with like a low-level hum of food dripping off her. You don't want to scare her to death, which it seems like is what this demon's now trying to do. Well, what sucks is, and you'll see what happens in the end, once, you get, once we get to the twist in the end, and of course there's got to be a mm. twist, uh, as every indie horror film has to do, because they're like, fuck, what do we do without a budget? Have a twist. So then the motivations of the demon are even more confusing. But anyway, all right, let's let's keep going. So they call back Dr. Friedrich, but it, and it's like, it is the funniest scene. So he gets into the house and he's like, oh my God, no, I feel a really bad presence. And in fact, the presence really hates me being here. So I've got to go. And he just turns around and like... Imagine doing that at like a party you didn't want to go to or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, guys. (laughs) So he apologetically leaves despite their pleas, stating that his presence only makes the demon angrier. The bleak reality causes the couple to lose all hope. On night 20... Oh, here's the other cool thing. So my birthday is October 11th. And you know when your Mm. birthday happens in popular media or a book or something? It's a really exciting thing. I wouldn't know. March 11, right here. I wouldn't know. So it never appears in anything. It's, I guess That's it's right. yeah. Well, Octo- for some reason, October 11 shows up in a lot of things, and th- through this film, every time you know we cut to the nighttime shot of what the camera's seeing at night while they're asleep, mm. it marks the night, like the number night it is, but it also marks the date. And as the film goes, it's like October two, <laughs> October four, and the whole time I'm like, oh, we're getting closer to my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, on night 20, Katie's pulled out of the bed. So there's there's all this spooky stuff happens. But then on night 20, basically, a door opens. We see some footprints. We see the bed covers being pulled aside. We see Katie pulled out of bed by some invisible object and, like, wrench her down the hall. The door slams. Mika gets up really, like, quickly and runs out the door. And he's like, Katie. And Katie's like, get it off me. Get it off me. And he saves her, pulls her back into the room. And she's just distraught. And, like, it's, 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 it's like a pretty spooky scene, right? Yeah. The next morning, we see that the demon has bitten Katie. She has this big bite mark, which doesn't, like, does the opposite effect of what it should. Like, as seeing the demon's footprint, seeing the bite marks, it's kind of like, okay, so it's an invisible... Not not very effective invisible demon. It's a not very <laughs> scary. It's very strong at pulling people out of beds, but very weak at biting them. It's good. So Mika's like, this is fucked. We're not staying another night in this house. We're going to go to a hotel. He packs for both of them, but he finds that Katie's unresponsive and she's basically... Like, and she's holding a cross so tightly that it's making a hand bleed. So Mika takes the cross and burns it in their fireplace. Just as they're set to leave, we assume the possessed Katie insists they stay, that apparently there's someone next to her saying they will be okay now. Yeah, okay. That's a bit spooky. So on night 21, early in the morning, which is my birthday, October 11th... Katie gets out of bed again, uh, stares at Mika for two hours before going downstairs. After a moment of silence, what I was saying before about scary sounds, there is this nuts scream from Katie, and it is legitimately scary. It is so spooko. And Mika gets up and quickly runs after her. Afterwards, we hear Mika scream in pain, 
And then they both stop screaming and there's another moment of silence. In fact, there's quite a long moment of silence. There's heavy footsteps are heard coming upstairs. Suddenly there's a loud roar. We see Mika's body violently hurled at the camera, which knocks it off the tripod, revealing a demonic Katie standing in the doorway with blood on her shirt. She slowly walks into the room and crawls to Mika's body, then looks up at the camera with a grim before she lunges at the camera. Then text states on the, on the screen that Mika's body was discovered by police on October 11, but Katie has vanished and has never been found. Uh, there's no way that cost $15,000 unless they didn't pay the actors. So step one, like Too Scary Didn't Watch has taught us oh, a lot about you know actors' what? rights. So they paid them, the actors got paid $500 each for their roles. For what? Three weeks work? Four weeks work? Like, it, was, it was seven days of filming. That's still not enough money. Okay, well, and like no. surely like the special effects and the cameras and the type on the screen and the editing, like a lot of people are doing a lot of free work for that, for, for 15 grand to be the genuine article. Um, is that the end of the movie? Shag, where are our alternate endings? That's a pretty shit ending, I must that say. That was the end of the movie. And I'm going to get to the alternate endings right now. But first of all, I want to say that because this film is set in 2007, I think one of the scariest things is that both characters... And do you remember this? When every single person in the world had boot-cut jeans? Didn't matter if you were... Oh, uh, like yeah, a, man. Like, it didn't matter who you were, girl, guy, whatever, you had boot-cut jeans. They were tight at the top but loose down the bottom. Not quite flares, but just sort of on their way. To, and you were just... And everybody was like, jeans will never be cooler than the boot-cut. <laughs> <laughs> like low hip, like like sort of halfway mm. down your hip boot cut jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah, sure yeah, there's yeah, ever yeah. any. I'm not sure there's ever been a less attractive fashion. Like, just you know, if we if we pull back and zoom out, surely it's the worst. And we all thought they were so cool. Okay, mm. so anyway, so that is probably the scariest thing about the film. But <laughs> let's get to the alternate ending. Oh my god, like. There are some shots where it's like they're almost hard to look at. Like they're sort of, they're sort of distressed. Like hers especially are some of the worst boot cut jeans I've ever seen in my life. Like they are. Whew. If you follow us on Instagram, um, we uploaded a story today. There was a photo of Shag and I from about 2005-ish. And I am wearing, and Shag looks awesome as, as he always does. And I'm wearing the largest pair of shorts that I think could ever be imagined by humanity. Do you remember these Dickies shorts, Shag, that were cool for a while of like the biggest shorts in the world that went massively, <laughs> that's right, that's massively right. past your knee? <laughs> and, the, and that were like completely impossible to damage. And so you bought three pairs of giant shorts and you were done for sort of three summers in a row. It was amazing. Okay, so let's so let's get to these alternate endings. So the original ending from the original fifteen thousand dollar cut that was you know showed at film festivals before it was bought by major studios and they changed it. Okay, so Katie returns to the bedroom and sits down against the bed with the knife in her hand, rocking back and forth for almost two hours straight. Her friend Amber calls and leaves a message saying that she's concerned because she hasn't heard from Katie or Mika. Amber eventually comes looking for her, but when she enters the house, she is heard screaming after seeing Mika's body. The creature possessing Katie leaves her body, scaring Amber out of the house before returning to Katie, who resumes rocking back and forth. Police officers arrive at the house about half an hour later and discover Mika's body as well. They call to Katie, who wakes from her catatonic state and seems confused. 
Katie comes out of the bedroom with the knife still in her hand. The police officers ask her to drop the knife. Following a heated confrontation, a door behind one of the police officers slams shut, startling one of the officers, which causes him to shoot Katie, killing her, which would have been a very relevant, uh, I guess, uh, ending for, you know, 2020. The film ends with the police investigating the area and finding nothing but the camera still running. So that was the original ending, which the studio were, were like, fuck this, we can do better. Uh, I'm not sure it was better. Maybe, maybe there's a view if you're a studio movie maker that you need to see that monster. Like I know this is a conversation we've had before, but but maybe people are like we need to see that fucking monster. Okay, so there was another ending, which isn't available as an alternate ending in the home releases of the film. This is like Wayne's World. It is like Wayne's World. Katie returns to the bedroom after the screaming and noise of her and Mika struggling downstairs. She is holding a knife and covered in blood. She closes and locks the bedroom door. Katie walks over and smiles at the camera before cutting her own throat. Oh. The screen then fades to black. That's fairly upsetting. But maybe that's a better ending for what the demon wants to do. Yeah, to make the most negative energy of all, I guess, suicide. And yeah, that's what I was going for the whole time, I guess. Broadly speaking, Like, I wanted to happens. spook them out as much as possible. Then I wanted them to die in, like, a really brutal way. Yeah. Like, Maybe. Look, I, like, I find it to be a deeply unsatisfying plot, but I say that from a position of someone who's had two cracks at writing a good plot, and the best of them could be described as middling in, 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 its, in its level of success. So, like, I think there were some good spooks along the way, but I think it's so difficult when you come up with a good concept. So if we talk about high-concept horror, you come up with something that you're like, yeah, man, that's sick. And then once you've had your sick idea, that's actually when the work starts. It's not when the work ends. It's like, all right, smart guy, how are we going to make this sick idea work? And that's the problem with high concept, right? That's what I'm trying to say. It's like you spend the whole time trying to justify the concept rather than considering the story. Anyway, there's one more ending that was never filmed. Sick. Um, because it was never was... filmed. So this is just a written ending. Okay. Because it was deemed too complicated and too brutal to shoot. Shit. So, a third alternate ending was written in which a possessed Katie would corner Mika and bludgeon him to death with his camera while viewers watch from the camera's <laughs> point of view. That to, me is, that, to me, is the right ending, right? Because that brings it full circle, and then it's like, oh, that's why it was found footage the whole time. And, you know, it's a comment on, uh, like, I cameras. don't know, like our surveillance state or something. Fuck cameras. <laughs> Fuck cameras. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, like, I think that actually is... Because we start the movie grumpy. Like, we start the movie buying camera. We just bought a camera. I guess what happens at the end? We got a broken camera. And didn't we have some adventures along the way? Like, it's, it's the movie I should have written, Shaq, in many ways. If you have, uh, like, other ideas for films that we've missed so far in our, you know, 53 episodes, please let us know. Mm. Hit us up on our Insta, Spooko. Don't forget to send us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. That's where you listen. I want them. We want some stars. Like, <laughs> I know it sort of feels on your end, you listening, that who gives a shit, but it's actually really nice. Like, we sit here for free having fun, and it's fun to have fun, and that's awesome. But it just genuinely feels really nice to see a review of people, you know, hearing, hearing about people enjoying the pod. So please consider doing that in a real genuine way. It's a really nice feeling for Shag and I to read about and hear about people enjoying the pod. So I'd be super grateful if you guys considered doing that. And if you don't want to know what it rushes, 
Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?